following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Well, good morning. I uh, love that. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. Um, the thing that we don't understand is that when he was raised, we were raised. Amen. His resurrection is our resurrection. And uh, when we uh, have communion, we're going to be having communion today. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul uh, got from the Lord is that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we actually proclaim the Lord's death. Now, I've always wondered about that. Why don't we proclaim the Lord's resurrection? But it says that we proclaim the Lord's death, and there's a very significant reason for that. Um, I have been struck uh, really strongly in this season of how complete the work of the cross was. It's more than we think it was. See, when Jesus declared, it is finished, have you ever really pondered to wonder what it was that was finished? What finished when Jesus made that declaration? We know that he took on human um, flesh. He became a man, right? He walked as a man. He walked as a fully human, fully God. And he walked, he traversed this earth. And he lived as a sinless man. There was no sin found in him. He was absolutely pure. He was absolutely righteous. He had preached the gospel with power. He had preached a kingdom, not just a, a salvation, not just a, a gospel of works, not more rules to keep, but he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And it was backed up with signs and wonders and miracles. So all of those things had to be completed. It had to be finished before Jesus could actually give his last breath. But have you ever considered in those final moments of Jesus physical existence. Just prior to saying it is finished, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we know that Jesus died for our sins, right? We know that we di he died to take the punishment for our sins. But you know that he died as you. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. Why is that significant? See, a lot of the church still is wallowing in a battle that is, not, it's, a, it's a pseudo battle. We're shadow boxing something. How many have heard the, the teaching that inside of you, you have two dogs? A black dog and a white dog. And whichever dog you feed the most is the one that's going to win? Can I just say that's a lie? You do not have a sin nature any longer if you are in Christ. How many have struggled with sin nature? <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we struggle with sin nature. The thing that is, if we understand what happened on the cross, we're shadow boxing something that isn't real. You do not have a sin nature. If you have come to Christ with your sin, if you have nailed your you know, if you've been crucified with Christ, have you ever seen yourself superimposed on the cross with Jesus Christ? 
That's what the Apostle Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, it's by faith that we live this new life. It's by faith that we can actually proclaim and live from a crucified and resurrected Christ. See, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that he took the, same, the sin of the whole world upon himself. He became sin who knew no sin. He actually became your sin. He actually became the, the, all the depravity, all the dripping yuckiness that the whole world was. Jesus took your most depraved nature upon himself on the cross. He didn't just die for your sin. He didn't just die for, so that your sin could be forgiven. He died as you so that you could be risen with him in a sinless nature. Now, that doesn't square with our experience, does it, all the time? But I'm telling you, it's true. See, I don't know what happened in those three days in the grave. I, I, I really don't know. And the Bible doesn't really talk a lot about it. But I know this, that when Jesus died, he died as the vileness, the blackness of the whole world. Think of that. The son who had never in all eternity been separated from his father actually became the vileness, the perversion of the whole world. He became your perversion. He became my perversion. He became my sin nature. And he went to the grave. He, he took his last breath saying, now it is finished. It wasn't finished until he took your sin, my sin, on the cross. Now, on Jesus' part, it was finished. You know, we, can, we know the end of the story, right? We know that God raised him from the dead. How did Jesus go from being the blackness and the vileness of the earth to being resurrected in newness of life? I don't know what happened in those three days. But I know this, he took my sin nature. He didn't just take my sin. He took my sin nature and he buried with, I have been crucified with Christ, buried with him. In those three days, I don't know what happened. I don't know what transpired. What kind of a legal thing happened in hell between God and the devil? <laughs> I, 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 I kind of got an idea. I, I kind of think that the law of love superseded the law of sin and death. And that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't raise with your sin nature. He left your sin nature in hell. He didn't raise, he raised in newness of life. In fact, he, was, he, he, he became the purity of God once again. Sin wasn't clinging on to him, kind of gripping him at his heels as he was raised from the dead. 
Now, this is really good news, you guys. Because if we believe that we have a sin nature, you will actually serve the sin nature. And the sin nature always wants to have a law to follow to make things right. See, anybody struggle with the sin nature? You're shadow boxing. <laughs> there is a place that we can actually be resurrected with Christ. Let's read it. I'm going to drive the scripture people crazy back there because I'm not... Um, quite doing what I said I would do. I want to go down to Romans chapter 6. This is one of the most powerful truths that we can apprehend. See, in Christ, we come through the very narrow door of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we come into a wide and a vast kingdom. But it is through the death of Jesus. We're going to proclaim the death of Jesus today. We're going to make a big deal about the death of Christ. Why? Because this is your death also. But it doesn't end there. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says this, what, then, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? The Apostle Paul has just laid out a whole justification by faith using Abraham, and he's uh, made some declarations that were crazy in those days. It would have just turned the, the Jewish world upside down because they were moving from a covenant of fairness and justice into a covenant of mercy. How many know that can be a hard uh, journey sometimes? Have you ever been embroiled in, even as a Christian, in legalism? Thinking that you just got to do this thing. You just got to pull yourself up. You just got to latch onto your bootstraps. You got to tough it out. You got to set everything in place so that you can succeed at this thing of being holy. How's it working for you? <laughs> it doesn't work. But grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is victory over sin. <laughs> and it's Christ's victory over sin. And you know what? Sin isn't, the sin nature isn't hanging under his heels. I am <laughs> coming up out of the grave. It says here, it says, what shall we sin then that grace may abound? That's crazy, the apostle Paul is saying. Certainly not. How can that be? Don't you understand what has happened here? How can you, who have now been crucified with Christ and died to sin, how can you any longer live in it? This is ridiculous. Or don't you know, let's keep on reading. It's no longer my nature to sin, by the way. Did you know that? It is no longer your nature to sin. When you sin, when we fall, and we do, we, we blow it, right? I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there isn't even consequence to that. But I'm saying that when we sin, it is no longer a sin nature that we can blame. We're actually stepping outside of a new identity that we have in Christ. We're actually removing ourselves from our true identity. Sin is no longer who you are. But we step out. You know, 
the big buzz right now is that everybody can identify as anything that they want to be, right? I can identify as a woman and as a man, or I can identify as a six-year-old, even though I'm 60, and I can identify. I heard that people are now identifying as cats, and you can't, distru- you can't disrupt their, cat- their litter boxes. I mean, it's crazy. It- it- it's silly. It's <laughs> silly. So the world wants to say that we can just identify with whatever we can. And you know that in Christ, we have a new identity. But we can actually step outside of, by faith, by faith, we can step outside of that identity. We can actually sin by faith. Thinking that we have this sin nature that's still hanging on. I'll tell you, you are free. (laughs) You are free from the sin nature. When it comes to surrender, lay it all down, lay it down, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. What we've got to lay down is a belief that many of us that Christianity has even taught, I've taught it. You know, you've got two trees in the garden of the Eden of your heart. you've, You've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you have the tree of life in your heart. And whichever one you choose, can I just say that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has been cursed and it has rotted up from the roots just like the fig tree. And the only thing that re-empowers those things is your belief, your faith. We can actually re-empower something that has been crucified with Christ, left in the grave, and we can do it by faith. Beloved, this is freeing to know that you are not that, that you are actually the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As righteous as Jesus is, you are. That's your real identity. That's who you are. We're proclaiming the Lord's death. Why? Because I died with him. And we have to be reminded of that. Continue reading. Or don't, don't you know this? As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. You were immersed into his death. Now, I really need to stop here. I, I, I don't, there's a lot of people here I don't know. There's people on, watching online. The first step is to acknowledge your sin before Jesus Christ and to confess your sin that I am a sinner. I need the grace of Jesus. And I need to have forgiveness for my sins. That's the first step. But, and, you know, please, if you haven't done that, what I'm saying to you is you still have this sin nature. Those of us that have been delivered from the sin nature, we need to have compassion on those that are still wallowing in the sin nature. You can't expect them to walk in this new nature. Right? So we need to have compassion on that. And if there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus, the only doorway into eternal life as your Lord and Savior, please, please consider the reality of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for you personally. Not for all those people out there, for you personally. It's gotta, see, faith is very, very personal. 
You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. That's very, very personal. But the next step, and I believe that the New Testament church taught this so much more strongly than we do. They taught salvation right in line with baptism. Is like they knew the waters of baptism. They knew the power of the waters of baptism. See, I believe we can be saved without being baptized, but I believe that you're still going to be wrestling with a sin nature until you're baptized by faith into Christ. I'm not talking some religious thing. I'm not talking some, well, mom and dad did it and some people say that I should. There is a baptism of actually surrendering your life into the death of the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Romans chapter 6. As many of you, who, of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into this death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. How was Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father? One of the things we know is that he was not raised with a sinful nature. Your sin, your sinful nature, your character, who you were, was crucified with him. He went into the grave with that, but he didn't come out with it. Amen. And neither do you. Yeah, this is good news. I'm preaching myself happy here. See, verse 5, if you've been united together, I think that King James says planted together. If you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, then certainly there's no doubt in Paul's mind here. It's not like he's wishy-washy about this. Certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. In other words, we have been given a new name and a new identity. Jesus went into the grave one way and he came out another way. He went in as the scum of the entire earth. Black. We got to understand this. We whitewashed the crucifixion. It was bad enough that he was brutalized and accused falsely and all those things that happened outside. I'm concerned about what happened inside where he actually became the blackness of the earth. But he came out a different way. And so do you. If you've gone into the waters of baptism, I believe in baptism. I believe that it's more than just an outward sign of an inward work. I believe there is a transaction in the waters of baptism that actually crucifies the old nature. If you haven't been baptized, I want to, and I'm talking about a believer's baptism. Man, don't hesitate. Don't walk. Run. <laughs> run to the waters of baptism. Because if you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, you're certainly going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. How many want to be in the likeness of his resurrection? And yet how many struggle with that? Because we somehow think we still have a sin nature. You have a new nature, you have a new name. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. See, this is real. This is real. 
Verse 6, knowing this, again, he's not wishy-washy, know this, my old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin would be done away with. My old man, my old nature was crucified with Christ. Who I was before Christ, I no longer am. When I went into the waters of baptism in 1970, May 6, 2.30 in the morning, 1978, these people were crazy enough to have you pray the prayer, get your sins forgiven, and then they led you to the waters of baptism. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, they're calling, hey, you got a baptism down the creek. See you down there, you know, half an hour. They dunked me in the waters of baptism. I didn't know, I didn't have the theology behind this. All I know is I went in the water one way and I came out a different way. The waters of baptism are incredibly important to be baptized by faith. I, old man, was crucified with him that the body of sin is done away with and that I am no longer, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, you're a slave to your belief system. What you believe, if you believe that you are still a sinful nature, if you believe that, then you're going to follow that way. My encouragement here, and this isn't pride, this isn't arrogance, this is necessity. <laughs> this isn't like, well, look at me, I'm, I'm a son of God. Tell you what, when you get this reality, when you have this revelation, when you have this understanding, it's one of the most humbling things that there is. There is no, rare, no, no, no room to boast. There is no arrogance in this. Nevertheless, there has to come a point in time where you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a fully reconciled, fully loved, fully redeemed son or daughter of God. I am a son in whom the Father is well pleased. Can you look yourself in the mirror and say that? See, the enemy wants us to see ourselves the way we see ourselves. God wants us to see us the way he sees us. And I'll tell you, there's freedom, there's victory, there's power in that. And there is no arrogance. There is no pride. There is no championing of, look who I am. <laughs> In fact, if I'm truly a son of God, then I'm going to live like the son of God who took humility upon himself, who died for the sake of love. See, that's what we look like. That's our true identity. When we sin now, because it is no longer our nature, there's a civil war that happens inside. See, before I got saved, sin didn't bother me. I had fun. I mean, you know, it just didn't even matter. I mean, I, and all the while, I thought I was a pretty good guy. I was bracking, you know, I hadn't murdered anybody yet. So I, I was patting myself on the back that I wasn't as bad as the worst, you know. But now in Christ, there's a civil war that goes on internally. And we start this shadow boxing. Well, I did it again because of my sin nature. Sin is just in me. I, I just can't get over it. No. If you believe that, you'll empower that. Paul says, I have found a righteousness. Oh, goodness. 
that is not of my own, but is by faith in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who had all the credentials, he had all the right credentials of being a holy man, and yet he said, that's all dung, that's garbage. That no longer matters. (laughs) Because I have found a righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Can you say that? I, I have found righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. I want to finish with a scripture that really has kicked all of this off for me. I've been meditating on this for a couple of months, really. I'm going to go to Hebrews. Powerful truths here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19 finishes out the chapter. This is talking about the children of Israel. and says, so we see that they could not enter in to the rest, to the promised land, because of unbelief. How many know that I have never seen believers so out of rest as I see people out of rest right now? I have never seen our nation, our world, so out of rest as we are out of rest right now. And I believe that Jesus is welcoming you in to a rest. How many know that the greatest rest we have is with the greatest struggle, that for which Jesus went to the cross for, sin? You can rest. You can enter into rest that you no longer have a sinful nature, that you have been given a new name, that you've been given a new nature that the Christ in you that is the hope of glory is more powerful than even the memory and the accusations of the flesh and of the devil. Believe it. Believe it. And if the word didn't say this, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to believe this stuff. This isn't fair. This isn't a covenant of fair or of justice. This is a covenant of mercy. And the doorway is Jesus Christ. And we can only come on, come in on his back. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of. This is how big of a deal this is to enter into his rest that I, never, I no longer want to live in the torment of the past or of a false identity. You don't have to live there. Let us fear lest we, lest we don't discover this, that we don't understand this, that this doesn't become part and parcel to our whole being, to our whole belief system, to our whole Christian life. For because this, here's the deal, verse 2, The gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed by faith in those that heard. Faith, believe this. The word says it. Beyond all of your inclinations, all your failures, all your sin, all the stuff where you haven't made it, believe it. You enter into this rest by faith. Having the gospel preached the good news of the kingdom preached. Mix it with faith. When we talk to one another, I'll tell you what, the more I talk about this, the more I see the reality of it, the, the, the stronger my faith is. This is actually a communion devotional that I did in our home group uh, last Wednesday. 
Why? Because I wanted to share in it. <laughs> and as we talked about it, it grows. You no longer have a sin nature. Believe it. Verse 8. If Joshua had given them rest, in other words, they crossed the river Jordan and they, they found their place of abode, abiding, then he would not have spoken of another day. But he's speaking of another day here today. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. There are no works. The work is finished on the cross. Now, there's something that happens. Works close, and works and obedience closely follows faith. It's, in, it's important we don't get the two mixed up, that we try to prove our faith by our works, but that we allow works and obedience to flow from the new nature, from the new mind. He has entered his rest, ceased from his own works. Let us therefore be diligent to enter this rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. There is a diligence in believing. There is a diligence of understanding and pursuing something here. Seeing then, verse 14, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, even as we are, and yet he was without sin. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.